You're listening to Make Your Way, Season 3, Episode 4. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Hey, Katie, how are you doing today? Hello, Sarah. I am good. How are you? Uh, doing well, doing well. I am excited today to talk a little bit about uh, design and branding. Uh, I am not so much a visual person, so this is going to be interesting. <laughs> well, and I like to pretend to be a visual person, so <laughs> yeah, let's let's go there. So I, I am really interested, given that you're not a visual person, like where do you even start with this? Like, well, and maybe even just like, what does design and branding even mean to you? Like, mm-hmm. what what do you lump into that category? Ah, uh, so design and branding for me is uh, I don't know. I don't even I, I don't even think about it. I think in the same way that you're supposed or in the way that you're supposed to definite definitionally. Um, so when I am looking at a brand or at design and branding together, I know what I like. Like, I know what looks good, but but I have a really hard time creating that with my own stuff. <laughs> so I can look at other people's brands and other people's uh, designs and go, ooh, that's really great. And then I go, how would I even start to apply that to my own thing? Uh, or at least that's how it feels to me. So, um, you know, but when I'm thinking about branding, I, I want to be thinking about consistency. I want to be thinking about, you know, not having eight different kinds of fonts in the same document. I want to be thinking about, um, you know, making sure the color, the hex numbers are correct on all the colors and, and those sorts of things. So for me, it's really a, a definition of, of consistency and what does consistency mean for this particular product or this particular thing that I'm working on. Okay, that is so important. Like, and this is something that I was actually just talking with someone the other day because they sent me their course and they wanted me to review it before they started selling it and just mm-hmm. give them some feedback. And um, this is someone who is, I'm not going to give names or anything, but this is someone who is like super knowledgeable on their content area. So I was like, okay, this is a great thing that they're packaging together. But they had kind of combined like a bunch of different slide decks and like, Mm -hmm. it it was clearly like a kind of hodgepodge of other Mm -hmm. things that they'd presented in other places. The fonts were all over the place, the colors were all over the place, and it was just not kind of standardized. And my main piece of feedback for them was this does not feel like a cohesive package. And I think that that's the thing that design and branding can give you is Mm -hmm. for your whole business, potentially, depending on how you decide to brand it, but also just within the certain elements of the products you're creating you want things to feel like a cohesive package, like you took the time to really design it in a way that was going to be helpful for your audience. And I think that that is really a core element of the design and brand conversation. I would agree. And I think I think being thoughtful about what does that convey to your user or to your viewer or you know the person who's looking at your content, because uh, like I said, I know what I like and what I like is consistency, right? I, I like to know that it's this is a part of a, a larger whole or that these these things are connected really well. It looks professional, right? It adds this level of professionalism um, and it, it doesn't take much to achieve, um, but it does take a little bit of thought work. It does take a little bit of um, even just, just basic like checking your fonts in PowerPoint. It's so obnoxious, but... <laughs> And, it, and it's annoying to have to do that. But um, at the same time, you know, it, it does convey a level of professionalism that's just sort of a step above uh, than, than kind of doing the hodgepodge, throw everything together approach. So Sarah, when you're 
trying to figure this out. And especially because you're someone, like you said, you kind of struggle to like make the vision into mm-hmm. what you want it to be for your own for your own stuff. How to what degree are you like playing and kind of like messing around to try to like figure out what it is you want it to look like? Because I do a lot of that. I'm like, you know, I, I usually make multiple instances of something mm. um, before I land. Like I, I'm just in the process right now of creating a new keynote. And I went through like four or five slide deck designs just trying to like figure out what was the look and feel I was going for in this particular talk. And I couldn't do the rest of it until I figured that out. Like mm. I just needed to kind of like cement that. So how are you dealing with that? Like, how are you, I mean, are you just kind of like trying to find a template that works? Are you like playing around? Yeah, I, I do a little bit of both, but I would say I'm, I'm more the playing around type. Um, I do have a couple of, uh, templates that I've built myself, uh, in PowerPoint that I, that I will use when I'm doing presentations. I don't love PowerPoint just to be upfront about that. I would rather use Keynote, but unfortunately, a lot of the places where I give talks, they want me to use their computer, which is a PC, which does not have Keynote. So PowerPoint is sort of the most ubiquitous one. Um, and, and it's kind of the easiest to, to move back and forth from different um, presenting you know, environments. So um, so I've created a couple of, uh, of templates that are branded in my colors um, and that sort of thing in PowerPoint. So usually I'll start with one of those and go from there. But in terms of um, how I go about that, a lot of that is playing around and a lot of it has evolved over time. So I I, I am one of those people who looks around at what other people are doing that I like uh, and I try to mimic that. But I also want to be careful to not um, completely, you know, mimic it to the point where my own personality doesn't come through. So I can give an example of this. Um, recently, I was redesigning uh, a, a portion of my website um, to talk a little bit about my my digital engagement consulting and video storytelling and those kinds of pieces that I that I offer for consulting. And um, I did a first draft of it that was kind of just like, okay, I'm going to try to do this on my own, right? Like I'm going to, I have a kind of vision for what I want this to look like. And, and I did this thing and I was like, I was so unhappy with it. Like I looked at it and I was like, this looks like garbage. <laughs> what the heck? Like how, how do I fix this? You know, but I was so paralyzed by like, I don't know how to fix this. Like I kind of know what I want it to look like, but not really. I just right. know it looks bad, right? Like, I know this is not what I want it to look like. So what I, and honestly, honestly, I'm not making this up. What I did was I went to your website, Katie, <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is funny. <laughs> I was like, okay, how does Katie do this? But so what I did was I looked through your stuff and I was like, oh, okay, yes, I love how, you know, she uses a picture on one side, a very brief, like two, two to three lines, and then a learn more button. And then that takes you to a page that kind of fleshes things out a little bit more. Great. Okay, that I can do. But then when I went back into my website, I was like, okay, I like color. Um, I think on my website, you'll see I have a, I have quite a bit of color incorporated in, whereas Katie, yours is a little bit more, you know, I think you have like two primary color tones that you It's like pretty minimalist. Yeah, yeah, it's very white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so I want to make sure I add color into this. And how can I do that in a way that's, um, that's not going to be kind of haphazard, that's not going to be, you know kind of too colorful, right? There there are some websites you go to that you're like, wow, okay, pick a color. <laughs> um, so I didn't want that. Uh, so I wanted some consistency in how I was using color. Um, and I ended up landing on something that I actually am pretty proud of. Um, but it took several iterations and it took both the process of me just like trying a thing and failing miserably. <laughs> 
and then going to, uh, again, a person I trust, a person I like your, your stuff and the way that you design things and saying, okay, how can I adapt this for what I'm looking to do? Um, and so I would say a lot of my process in terms of designing and in terms of branding comes from that combination. I have Mm -hmm. a general idea of what I want it to look like. And I want to make sure my personality comes through. And then I fail miserably. And then I go look at something else. And and that informs how I move forward. So um, it's kind of a constant and iterative process for me. Uh, I don't I don't come to the table with a really specific visual idea of what I want things to look like. Uh, you know, I have a general idea, um, but it's really informed by looking around and trying to figure out, okay, how did they do that? And how can I replicate that in a way that works for me? Yeah, that like looking around for inspiration is a really key part of my process as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just find that I'm similar to you and that I don't really design things from scratch. Like I, I like to take something. Well, there's two things actually. So I'm really fortunate that for my day job, I work with a marketing team um, Mm -hmm. and they uh, have taught me so much over the past, you know, three years that I've been working with them about how to do design well, Mm -hmm. whether it's website design, print design, you know, whatever. And I often am in a situation where I'm giving them my vision and then they're enacting it. Ah. Um, And so that's an interesting thing to watch, like, Mm -hmm. and especially when they go through multiple iterations of something, like we recently rebranded one of my podcasts of research and action that I do for Oregon State. And going through that process with them was was a real learning experience. Um, but on the stuff I do with my own, where I don't have that privilege of just kind of handing off my vision to someone else, I will often say, I know what I want in my mind. Let me go see things that are similar to that. And then let me try to think how I might emulate that in a similar way to what you're saying, Sarah, with my own kind of lens mm-hmm. on it or my own kind of um, personality kind of added in. Mm-hmm. And so a good example of that was when I was working on this um, workbook, when I first started out, I had a sense of what I wanted certain pages to do, like like it might be a checklist or it might be a brainstorming page or it might be a page where they're going to be needing to write on like a lined um, document where there's lines that they can kind of fill in different questions and things like that. And I went into Canva, which I know both of us use pretty extensively. We will link to it in the show notes. And I went and just kind of looked at, they have a bunch of templates already in there. And by the way, they have slide deck templates. So that's maybe a separate conversation that you and Mm. I need to have because I build (laughs) my slide decks in Canva and then I literally drop them into PowerPoints as JPEGs. Ah. So um, that's been interesting to to explore as well. But anyway, so they have these templates for all kinds of things like lesson plans and checklists and, you know, things that obviously I'm not going to take the the, the, um, template like the whole thing. I'm not taking the colors, the fonts, everything, but I was taking like the structure of the template Mm. and saying like, oh, that structure looks like what I'm trying to do. Now let me change the fonts, the colors, the sizing to like make it into what I have in my mind. Mm -hmm. And that was really how I built out the workbook was um, going like page by page and thinking about like, what do I need to do for this page? And then looking through the templates. And then you'll see probably in that, in that workbook, there's maybe between a dozen and 15 different template pages that get kind of repeated um, based on what I'm asking people to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, like that's, I feel like we're very similar in yeah. our process there. Yeah. And I'll say I'll, I also use and love Canva. Um, one of the things I love most about Canva is that you, if you might not be able to do this with the free version, but with the, with their, you know, subscription version, you can have multiple, um, branding color options. <laughs> so, um, for, 
one of the biggest challenges I faced with this product that that I'm building now is that um, it's a collaboration. So it's a collaboration between me and another colleague. She has her own brand, right? So she has her own colors, her own scheme. And so it was this process of figuring out how do we marry these two brands? <laughs> and what, what, I, what ended up working, um, luckily, was that I pulled sort of my primary blue color in and pulled in her primary, uh, her her red color that she uses in a lot of her stuff. And it actually worked really well. Now, that's not always going to be the case. Um, but I wanted to signify that this is not just my stuff, um, that it is it is in collaboration. So it's not so that's a different branding um, set than my current you know, standard branding would be. And so that was a challenge to figure out will these colors work together in a nice way. Um, and luckily ours did. Um, and the other challenge I faced in terms of colors was um, <laughs> for anybody who works in this sort of childhood world, you know, there's a lot of primary colors and a lot of pastels and ugh, ugh, both of those after a while just get to be a little bit much, especially if you're going to be in working in kind of a color heavy environment. And so I was trying to be really careful to make sure that the colors um, are strong and also playful, but are not either pastel or the primary, you know, red, blue, green, yellow kinds of stuff uh, that you so often see in this in this space. And so that was another kind of challenge layered on top. Um, so I'm very glad that our our colors, uh, Tracy and, and my colors work pretty well together. Um, but one of the great things about Canva is like, I could have those colors loaded in and just, you know, be ready to go when I was creating all these different handouts. It was just a click of a button instead of trying to type in the hex color every time and that sort of thing. So it was super easy to use. Right. And you could actually build out like um, like they have a section of Canva. And I think this is with the paid version where it's basically your brand colors. Yep. And you, you choose your brand colors, your brand fonts, so that whenever you create a new thing, it automatically goes into your brand colors and fonts, yep. um, which is really nice. But so so I'm curious, Sarah, especially because you were talking about this collaboration. Can we talk for a minute about sub brands? Because I mm. think that this is an issue whenever you're creating a product, you may have like a sub brand that mm -hmm. comes out of your larger brand. And I have like a million of these and I, I and I don't think they're very coordinated. Like this is actually one of the things that I think is kind of problematic about my branding just in general. So I would like to hear you talk about this. Like mm. you obviously took the the road of picking colors and things that would like align with both of your larger brands. Mm -hmm. Can you yeah. just talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, I think that, that it was... Uh, it was an effort to kind of again make sure make sure it was clear that um, this wasn't owned by just one of us. Um, so that included not only the colors but also at the bottom of each of the handouts are both of our company logos. So um, a lot of times, you know, when in academia and and also in sort of nonprofit sectors and that sort of thing, you'll see when people come together and and or organizations come together and and create a thing that they'll make sure that their all their logos are on there and all of that sort of thing. But I wanted to take it a step further and try to really um, communicate subtly, but with the color and with the, the branding itself, that this was a different thing. Um, it was different from mine and different from hers. So um, that and that it was kind of marrying these these two brands. And so, uh, you know, I'm lucky that it kind of worked out that way. Like, frankly, there would be a lot of colors that wouldn't have worked out well <laughs> as a as a sort of sub brand idea. Um, but that was the approach I, I wanted to take to it. Um, again, just because I, I feel like that sends Branding sends messages and um, how you choose to do your branding, I think 
it's different for everybody, but for collaborations, for me, it was important to make sure that both of those were reflected um, in, a, in a pretty strong way because this, this wasn't just me and it wasn't just her. Um, it was really the two of us coming together. So I think this is actually one of the biggest challenges for multi-potentialites. And mm. if you don't know what I mean by that, <laughs> go back to our between episode uh, where we talked about uh, Emily Wapnick's book, How to Be Everything. But when you do a lot of different projects, they're not always for the same audience. Right. And I feel like I try to develop my brand sometimes around that um, and also sometimes around the product itself and or sub-brands, I should say. Mm-hmm. And so then I end up having all these things that don't really tie together kind of in an, in a good aesthetic way. And I at some point, I feel like I'm going to hit a wall and I'm just going to have to do like an entire brand overhaul of my entire business and just like hand it off to someone else and be like, <laughs> I have courses, I have webinars, I have podcasts, I have, you know, all these things. Yeah. Help me to kind of like pull everything together in one cohesive brand. Because mm-hmm. as I keep growing, it's just like, I, that's a huge challenge for me. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you talk about that because then, then you sort of have multiple brands that you're trying to grow at the same time while also being one person. <laughs> that seems <Right>. exhausting. <laughs> right. Well, and also, I mean, like, I think that I do a really good job with each of the sub brands of having a clear brand identity. Like mm-hmm. I think about my podcasts, um, I think like Academic Egg, for example, like we created a brand identity around that. Um, and you see that across like the logo, the the website um, for my how to academia webinars, I have certain font choices, I have certain, you know, um, kind of structural things that I've chosen within that particular sub-brand that everything kind of looks and feels the same. Um, And with this new product, Sotal by Design, I mean, I kind of started with a logo and then I built out, there's kind of one main color that gets used on the website, on the sales brochure, um, but there's a series of colors that get used in the workbook. And so I was able to use those to also kind of um, make the website a little bit more colorful too, as I was really showcasing different elements um, of the, the product. So, but I don't, I don't know, like I would, I think I would get bored if I was trying to put everything under one main brand. Like there's Mm -hmm. something fun to me about developing these sub brands because it allows me to be kind of creative and experimental and try something different than what I've done before. Like I, I'm drawn to that. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think you've, you've hit on the, maybe the, the primary um, challenge of branding, which is, are you like, what is the identity of the thing that you want to brand? Is it is it the individual product or thing? Is that the identity that you want to call to mind? Or is it you and your identity that you want the brand to call to mind? And so that's such a it's such a hard thing, because especially as you said, for multi-potentialites, we're doing lots of different things that may not fit together in sort of a traditional branding kind of framework. And so how do you make linkages that, um, that are maybe subtle cues to your audience that like, yes, you're the one doing all of these courses and all these podcasts and everything. Um, and they each have their own unique identity, but they all fall under your identity. And that's a really complicated thing. And I don't have an answer for it, but it just, it occurs to me that thinking about, is it your identity you want to communicate or is it the product identity? Is it some combination? And, and how do you do that? Right. Well, and also like once you start, or if you start to publish things like books, you don't always have a control over yeah, what they look like in terms exactly. of covers and stuff like that. So I used to have on my professional website, just to speak briefly about my larger brand, like I used to have just a projects page that was mm. like, here's my books, here's my podcasts, here's my webinars, here's my courses. And I like had everything on one page. And then it started to get too big because I had too many of each category. So now mm. I have separate pages for books, um, webinars, and um 
my podcasts and things like that, my courses, I created a courses page. And I don't, when you go to each of them, like they all have kind of a different look and feel. Mm. So um, yeah, I don't, I, I think my lesson I'm taking away from this is I don't think I'd be the one who'd be able to do it. I think I'd have to hire someone out because I think mm-hmm. it would just, I would feel so much pressure to like make sure everything was like aligned and coordinated. And I don't know how to do that at this mm-hmm. point because I've created so many sub brands. Like I just have no idea what it would even look like. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> can understand that. Um, so I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about how you approach the design and branding, especially with this workbook, because, you know, we've talked about it on previous episodes of the season already, but, um, if you can talk a little bit about how you use color and font and, um, and how you went about the process of branding, uh, the course in general that I'd love to hear how you did that. Yeah. So I started, well, so this is kind of the funny thing about it. I feel like I just kind of fell into this project. I mean, like I was like, <laughs> I was thinking about what I wanted my next course to be. And I was kind of like playing around with some ideas. And this one came to mind. And it, it started to kind of like have some substance to it. Like I'd just been thinking about it more. I've been talking with some people about it. And I honestly thought it was going to take me like a year to create. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to Let me think about that because that's a long time to like invest in something. It's basically like a book, you know, like this is going to take me a long time to do the videos and all of that. And then one weekend, I kind of just started like messing around with the logo design. Um, So that's where it started. I mean, I feel like I'm I'm describing something like illicit. That's where it started. Um, (laughs) It all started with the logo. (laughs) It all started with the logo. Watch out, people. If you get sucked into logo design, watch out. Um, so it started there and I went into Canva and Canva has a logo section. So I was just kind of looking around to see like, you know, what, what was kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, like speaking to me in terms Mm -hmm. of like fonts and things like that. And I relatively quickly, I mean, I made multiple iterations, but I relatively quickly came up with the logo that you can currently see on the subtlebydesign.com website. And that was kind of, um, and there's four colors and then there's like an all caps title for subtle by design. And once I had that, then it was like, okay, um, let me start. And then, and then I literally fell into the workbook. Like one Sunday, I just designed like 60 pages of it. I spent like 11 hours just like falling off a cliff into it. And part of the reason for that was I was preparing for a talk that was on a similar topic that I, I gave in early April of this year. As we record this, we're um, almost in mid-May. And I knew, I was like, well, maybe I could design something that I could use for that talk and like I could pilot it a little bit and like test it out with an audience. Mm. And so that's kind of what motivated me to kind of dive in. And then once I got 60 pages into the workbook, I was like, okay, so this is a thing. (laughs) And Wait, wait, um, wait, 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 hold on. (laughs) You went from... I just, I don't know, this is a cool idea to 60 pages into your workbook. (laughs) Well, okay, so let me back up. This is how I do things around here. Let me just, you know, this happens. Um, So this is a, I should clarify, this is a workshop that I've been giving for years, like where I'm asking people to kind of, or I'm walking people through how to design a social project, a scholarship of teaching and learning project. And so I had a bare bones, like, I don't know, 10-ish pages Word document that I had been using for these sessions. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. super designed well. I mean, it was was fill in the blank kind of thing, but it wasn't like aesthetically pleasing. And so ideally what I was trying to do was take that and re-envision it. Mm. But once I got into it, I realized I wanted to layer in a lot more steps Mm. to what was in this bare bones document, which is really something that I would give in like a two to three hour workshop. Like it Mm -hmm. was, you know, where I'd walk people through it. 
And so I started with that bare bones and I, so I had something, I wasn't like completely starting from scratch. And this is the case I think with a lot of products you might build is, you know, you've been doing something for a while and you decide to build a product around it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So in this case, I had been doing kind of a workshop already. But yeah, I mean, like I started that day and because of the, honestly, the magic of Canva and being able to like copy things and, and, you know, move templates around and and that kind of thing, I was able to build out, I mean, over 11 hours, let's be clear. I mean, like this was (laughs) not like, you know, in a couple hours, I knocked out 60 pages. Um, But I was able to kind of see what was going on. And actually, if you want to see this, I took video of it and not video, but I did an Instagram stories on my Instagram, like, and it's called design flow. And you can see me like starting the the process of designing this workbook on my Instagram profile. So if you're on Instagram and you want to go look at that, like you can see from the beginning stages how I was starting to pull the design together for this course. Um, so after I had that situation where I designed all those pages, the rest of the workbook actually came together relatively quickly. And that's around the time I started using Airtable um, to try to organize that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a later episode about kind of systems for content creation. But I started to realize that it was bigger than I thought. Um, and once I had the workbook kind of settled, then I was able to shift to other kinds of content design. So, but in the workbook, I I do have kind of some, um, well, so, let me just say that like font has been a very interesting situation for me with this workbook because um, I designed the workbook and then I went back through and there were certain, because I was using different templates and like bringing them together in different ways, they all came with different fonts. And mm-hmm. so, and because you're doing it digitally, it's really, and and basically what's happening is I'm designing this in Canva, I'm exporting it as a PDF, and then I'm like dropping it into this larger PDF document. And I'm not really someone who edits well digitally. Like I need to have something printed in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of did the best I could to like align things and and make them all kind of look consistent with the digital document in the sense of like the headers are the same size and, you know, those kinds of things just so that it's kind of aesthetically like hanging together. Mm-hmm. But then I got to a certain point where I was like, you know what, I just need to print a prototype so that I can actually go through and like hand copy edit it and and like read it, make sure there's no typos make sure that all the fonts are consistent. I was doing some different spacing between the letters of the lines. So (laughs) so there's stuff like that going on that needs to be consistent. There's certain things that are in all caps. There's certain things that are not in all caps. There's like certain kind of headers that I'm using. I mean, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're putting together a print document, I mean, like this is not, you know, this is normal, I think. Yeah. So I had that, and and so I kind of did the best I could, and I now have a print prototype that I'm using to kind of go through and kind of clean everything up. But I also recently realized I needed to add in, um, I tried to add in page numbers in a way that didn't work, so I need to like redo that. So that's part of the edits that I'm working on right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I ended up kind of picking um, actually pretty standard colors in Canva for each of the seven modules that are covered in the... Um, the workbook. And then what that allowed me to do is I now have those colors embedded in the slide design for that as well. And because I scripted all of my videos ahead of time, which we'll get into in um, the next uh, episode on video creation, I was able to basically take my slides and and relatively easily create them from the scripts. Mm. And I had kind of the color choices that I'd already made. Um, 
because I, I was aligning a color with each module. Hmm. So one of the, that consistency piece that you talked about, Sarah, was really important to me to make sure that when you go into module one, you know it's module one because there's a deep purple color. That deep pu purple color is in the workbook. It's in the slide design. Like you're seeing it across. And so you know that you're in the right spot. You know that mm -hmm. you're using the right parts of the workbook, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point in terms of the consistency um, you want to give your your users, uh, you know, almost little um, breadcrumbs, basically, to to help them know they're in the same, they're they're in the right place, uh, and and also just as a quick, um, you know, because we are so visual visually dependent, right? We we do a lot of stuff visually, um, and we we recognize patterns and that sort of thing. Like that's just kind of how humans are, and so the more that you can use that to your advantage. Um, the more cohesive it's going to feel to your end user. So um, for some of the handouts that that we created, I wanted to make sure that they had the same, you know, so we have like three different videos and handouts that go with each video. I wanted to make sure that those handouts look consistent across the, th the three different videos, um, but also are very specifically tied to the content of those individual videos. So it's kind of a, a merging um, both ways. But, you know, making sure that the section headers are the same in each handout, um, making sure that it's clear, you know, design wise, I'm not like moving this section over to the first page when on this one, it's on the second page, right? Just keeping it consistent. So it's very easy for your people to know where to look for stuff, uh, I think is a, is a really good point when you're thinking about aesthetic design, especially um, when you're when you're thinking about your users and how they're going to use it. Yeah, so I do want to talk a little bit more about color, which you brought up for yours in terms of like the early childhood piece. But also, I mean, like, I think people immediately would be like, why are you choosing to make a hundred plus page workbook in color? Hmm. Like, I mean, it would be a lot cheaper if you just made it in black and white <laughs> or like accented with color, you know, instead of like making it. And I'm not saying like every page is full color, but like right. there's definitely colored accents throughout the workbook. And if you go to the website, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, and we'll link to it in the show notes. But um, I'm. can you talk about that, Sarah? Because you're creating a product where people are downloading it and printing it, mm -hmm. but you're still choosing to do it with a lot of color. Was mm -hmm. there a, dis like, how did you make that decision to not have like more black and white? Yeah, I think for me, the... Um the way that I use color is, you know, it's a, it's a helpful tool, but it's not an essential element, right? So I think there's a distinction there between, um, you know, you have to have the color in order for this to make sense. Uh, so I think about, for example, when you go to presentations and people will print out the slide decks uh, ahead of time and they're in black and white, and unfortunately the presenter you know, didn't adjust their colors on their graphs. And so everything looks the same and you can't tell the difference between this bar and this bar. In that kind of case, color is pretty essential or being very thoughtful about how this turns into grayscale is very essential. Um, I didn't, I didn't use color to, um, to denote things in that way, uh, but it's more used as an accent and as an assistance um, than anything else. So like, I think about the the headers of each uh, handout type are are the same color, right? So it looks consistent across, but it's not essential that you see that this is in blue. You know, uh, it's not essential that like this portion over here is is in red. It's using them more as accents, more as uh, visual interest, and also as um, cueing. But it's not 
you know, essential that a person sees the difference between this color and this color for their experience to be enhanced. Whereas I think you are using color much more in that sort of, it's it's pretty essential to the user experience for that color to come through. Right. Well, and I think when it comes to color, I am a color Cody kind of person. I mean, like just in general, I mm-hmm. mean, highlighters, post-it notes. I mean, like I color code things like it's just helpful for me. And I understand that doesn't work for everyone. Um, and particularly for our friends and colleagues who are colorblind. Um, but for me, I, I mean, that was definitely, it wasn't in the initial part of the vision, but it very quickly became part of the vision. And, mm-hmm. um, if you listen to the last episode, you know how important vision is to me and how I can't <laughs> let it go. Um, but that was definitely like, okay, like once it was there, I was like, oh, this is a thing. This is mm-hmm. going to be what ties everything together is these colors. And I wanted to make sure I was picking colors that made sense. And that, um, I mean, like the header for every page of the workbook, even though they're titled differently, is in like a block color. So you mm-hmm. can like, you know, immediately where you are in the yep. workbook based on, you know, the color. And I, I, I don't know, like, I guess one of the other things I want to talk about is once you solidify a brand and an aesthetic for a product, I feel like it makes everything easier. Mm-hmm. Because True. as you're building out marketing for that product, as you're building out any kind of supplemental resources for that product, the website for that product, whatever you decide to create, I didn't have to worry about font choices. I didn't have to worry about colors. I didn't have like I already had made those decisions mm-hmm. and it really did make everything else easier. I mean, did you have that when you were kind of thinking about sales pages and stuff like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a lot easier once you, once you've kind of whittled it down to your, again, your essential tools that you're using to build this thing. Um, so yeah, once we had the colors picked out and, and, um, some fairly consistent fonts, I am terrible at fonts. I'm just going to admit that openly. (laughs) I'm so bad at font. Um, and what I mean by that is, yeah, yeah, you're bad at font. (laughs) I I mean that, um, I'm really not good at picking the right kinds of fonts for things. (laughs) So uh, a a few of my colleagues who maybe listen to this podcast, I don't know, but who have worked with me on on previous uh, kinds of things know that I have an affinity for Times New Roman and they cringe every time. Times you're an Roman. academic of course you do know, you were raised right? in like, that that's, that's where I come from that's like but... your like language of origin <laughs> exactly Times New Roman oh man but but I also have learned over the last several years that Times New Roman is not what you want to use on a web page right like so I've learned some things but I I'm not always good at picking um or discerning a difference right between fonts uh in a way that says like, oh, this is the one I want, or this is the one I don't want. Now, I'm not using uh, Comic Sans on everything or anything, but like, (laughs) I I don't have a great feel for, um, you know, sans fonts versus non-sans fonts and why those matter and why they're different. And, you know, so you can go down the graphic design rabbit hole uh, as far as you want in terms of font. It's just something that's never really clicked with me. So I, I pick, I pick a font that I think is pretty neutral and it, it's not, you know, going to be horribly offensive to anybody. Like some people who are super into fonts, like they are oh, it's a thing. staunchly it's a against thing. certain kinds. So I try to pick ones that aren't going to push too many buttons. Um, but also knowing that like a lot of people don't really care about fonts, but making well, as sure long they're, as they're neutral. I think people exactly. don't care as long as they're neutral. Exactly. And as long as they're consistent, as long as you're not moving from Times New Roman to Arial every other line, for right. example. Right. Um, not that I'm using either of those fonts in my, you know, online stuff. But um, 
so so I think in terms of you know consistency um it's really easy to be consistent within Canva, for example. Um, whether some of those fonts are available to me on other platforms is sometimes a challenge. So I think, but when I'm thinking about building um, for like promotion of the of this toolkit, um, it's it's nice to be able to have all of that selected ahead of time because then you can just kind of plug things in um, and just make sure that you're again consistent across across time and. Um, Again, I think the consistency is key. I think that's our main message today is that the more consistency you can have on your product and on everything that's linking to your product and, and pushing to your product, the better the experience is for the user. They they feel like, oh, yeah, OK, this is this is all cohesive and makes sense and fits together. Um, and this person knows what they're doing is <laughs> another thing that that communicates, I think. So right. um, consistency. Yeah. Well, and I think that that what's interesting and what's challenging about that is good brand design in my opinion, is not always overt. Right. Like you get all that messaging without even thinking you're getting that messaging. Yep. Like, so it's yeah. kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that that's the part that makes it hard to find brands that you want to emulate or that you think are really strong mm-hmm. because it's so understated in yep. some cases. And um, that's something that I think, I mean, both of us seem to be people who really like to go out and look for um, examples and like things that we think people are doing really well. And there's a couple people that I follow that I think, you know, they're really doing well with their brand. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, like you, Sarah, I like to pretend I'm a visual person. Like, I I think I have a good eye, but it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I know how to get it there. Right. Um, and I can definitely, like, when it comes to fonts and things, I, it's like a pet peeve of mine when I go to a website and they're using, like, eight different fonts. <laughs> um, so I definitely pick up on those things. But I don't know. I feel like font in particular is something where I've like kept myself from doing a deep dive because I know that if I go down that rabbit hole, I'm not sure I'm going to come out. <laughs> and I actually have a book on font, like literally sitting on my nightstand right now that I got from the library. So like, it's a thing for me. But I, I, you know, I don't consider myself to be a graphic designer. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I was not formally trained in that way. I know certain things about what you should be doing and not doing in spacing. And, you know, like I, ha- I don't even know what these things are called though. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I know there's, you know, like fancy names for them that I don't know what they are. Right. And I, I tend towards sans fonts, you know, like I like the, I feel like they're a little bit more open and uh, minimalist looking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I mean, I, there's certain elements of design that, I know that if I wanted to, I could like train myself in InDesign and and do like a deeper dive. I feel like I've in some ways intentionally limited myself to Canva because I don't want to like spend all my time doing that. And I feel like I, if I did, I would just like, my business would be a different kind of business. You know, like I would be like doing people's brands and things, Mm -hmm. which is not really what I want to do. Right. So I feel like I need to know enough so that I can handle my own stuff. Um, to a certain degree, even though, like I said, I feel like I need to do a complete overhaul um, and get help with that. But for now, I feel like I know enough that I can create websites, I can create sub brands, I can create logos. Um, and I do a little bit of that for my, my website client work as well. But mm-hmm. I don't know, well, I, I know just enough to be dangerous, I guess. <laughs> yeah, me too. And and one thing I want to underscore um, for, for our listeners who you know, we're fairly new to this kind of world. Um, Katie and I both, I think, have learned a lot of this through just trial and error. Totally. Like, there is totally. so much. <laughs> if I were to look back, you know, the like internet has this way back machine, right? Where you can look at your, you can look at a website from like 10 years ago or whatever. Uh, not that I had my website 10 years ago, but I I bet 
if I went all the way back machine and looked back a couple of years, I would be horrified. Right. <laughs> oh, I, I did this. I made. Yeah. No, I, I had one 10 years ago and I did this and I created a video. You can actually go to my website. On, under my web my website design services, I have a video where I talk about how my professional website has changed over time ah. and why I've made the decisions I've made with my own professional websites, because that's a big part of my portfolio is the websites that I designed for myself. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're going to when you're starting out, you're going to make mistakes. That's OK. Uh, and you're going to learn stuff along the way. And and eventually you kind of grow into your brand. I think that's the other piece of it, too. I I didn't feel and, and Katie, you know, chime in and let, let me know if I'm completely off base on this. But I I didn't feel like I had a good idea of what my brand is or was or whatever um, or what I wanted it to convey or you know, what personality meant really until I just kind of dove in and started playing around a little bit. Like I didn't come to the table with, this is my brand. This is who I am. This is who I want to be. Um, It's been a process of building along the way for me. And so, you know, if you're, if you're listening out there and you're feeling like, oh, they had, they had all of this, uh, you know, set up and ready to go. And I don't know, I feel like I shouldn't jump in. No, just jump in, do it, try it. Break you it. have to. No. Yeah. Well, and I, I didn't even know what brands were two years ago. Yeah. Like I, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I listened to some podcasts and, and especially like um, I can recommend Being Boss as being a really great podcast. It talks a lot about brand because one of the women who co-hosts it, that's her industry is branding mm-hmm. um, and design. But I don't know. I, I also think like part of it too, like you said earlier, Sarah, like, you know, you make mistakes. And part of it though is it's mistakes, but it's also like aesthetics change over time like you know comic sans used to be a thing it's not a thing (laughs) anymore you know like so you will also change your look and feel just because like there are trends and trends will take you in a different direction in terms of what your brand will look like Mm -hmm. especially if you're trying to follow trends or you're trying to like work within a certain industry and that industry has trends Mm -hmm. so i i think of it less as of mistakes Uh, i think of it less is being about mistakes and more of it being about you can't just have a static brand like mm-hmm. you will have to rebrand at some point yep um and and to what degree you rebrand i think is uh, a question mark um mm-hmm. I, I think it can be happening in little ways or larger ways but i think that having something to start from especially yep. when you're doing a product that's all you need you, yep. you just need something to kind of have it be cohesive and consistent um and and you can just go from there Exactly. I would, I would concur. Um, I do want to throw in a little funny, which is that there's this great YouTube video by one of my favorite creators out there. Um, I think it's by Andrew Wong. Maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, you can uh, throw things at me on Twitter. But uh, and it's called Comic Sans is the best font in the world. And it's a music video. About well, we will Comic definitely Sans. be linking this in the show it's, notes. It's so good, you guys. It's also really catchy. So I'm sorry for the earworm. <laughs> Way to the way to end on a high note for this episode. It's all about Comic Sans. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, anything else you want to add, Sarah, before we close things out? Uh, I don't think so. It's just Comic Sans. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening to um, this episode on aesthetic design and branding. And uh, we will be back next time talking a little bit more about video creation, which I am super excited about. Until next time, Sarah. Great chatting with you. As always, great chatting with you as well. Comic Sans is the best font in the world. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. 
Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Make Your Way is part of the Radical Self-Trust podcast channel, a collection of content dedicated to helping you seek self-knowledge, nurture your superpowers, playfully experiment, live your core values with intention, practice loving kindness toward yourself and others, and settle into your life's purpose. Learn more about the RST channel at katielinder.work slash podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please also consider rating and or reviewing the show in iTunes. Thanks for listening.